The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of New York Presbyterian Hospital or Columbia University Irving Medical Center. You're listening to Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Valve Team, a podcast where we discuss the advancements in treatments for patients with structural heart and valve disease. Welcome everyone again to another episode of Taking It to Heart. We have our valve group today and we're going to be talking about tricuspid therapies. We have some updates from TCT and we're privileged to have the two primary investigators for the Invoke uh, Tricent 2 trial that we just presented at TCT. I'm going to briefly um, go through a little bit of the data and then we'll, um, we'll open up the floor for everyone to, to give their thoughts. I'm joined here today by Dr. Sushil Kadali, Dr. Rebecca Hahn, and Dr. Mark Levin. So again, Tricen 2 is a, um, a uh, our transcatheter uh, tricuspid valve replacement system by Edwards. It's the evoke valve. And uh, this was uh, a two-part study. We're presenting the, the first 150 patients were presented for a total of 400 patients that will be presented in the future. So some early preliminary data that's that's allowed. This is again a, um, a trial that is uh, uh, randomized two to one to um, optimal medical therapy versus uh, versus the valve itself uh, plus optimal medical therapy. And the uh, the data that's being presented uh, that Dr. Kadali presented is the the TABO, uh, sorry the tricuspid um, replacement group. So. Um, we have, uh, again, uh, a total of 150 patients uh, presented. Uh, 96 received the valve and 54 received medical therapy. Um, overall, pretty uh, elderly patients, average age in the 78 to 79 range. Um, STS scores were, were very high, 9 to 10. Um, and again, 36% of patients had, uh, 36 to 42% of patients had prior uh, pacemakers, uh, an important subject and difficult thing to deal with. Everybody had severe MR, basically, uh, TR. And, uh, you know, when you look at torrential and massive, that was um, almost over 50% of people had, you know, extremely severe TR. So how did the valve work in these 96 patients? Um, overall, very well. Implanted valves, 96%. Device time, a little over an hour at 65 minutes. Um, length of stay for these patients, four days on average, and discharge to home over 91%. Uh, conversion to surgery, 2%. Uh, it certainly met its safety endpoint. Um, and overall composite uh, event rates for safety were driven by, uh, by really by bleeding uh, at the level of the groin. Uh, new arrhythmias, 14 to 15% uh, requiring pacing. Uh, and, you know, basically everyone had very, very significant reductions in TR. So everyone really went down to none to trace at six months other than, you know, 5% at 4.9% uh, at moderate. Um, KCCQ was, you know, really a win. Uh, everyone did very well in terms of their KCC uh, improvements and six-minute walk was um, uh was somewhat of a of a tie, but again, did also improve. Um, 
So, you know, overall, pretty impressive data, Sashil. Maybe you want to, you know, give your spin and I'll let Becky give her spin as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's an interesting. I mean, this is, it's tough. I mean, we have had the triluminate data now. Now this is the first with, with replacement. Um, this is early data, as you said. We're, we're in a field where we, we don't really know, you know, who to treat, when to treat. Uh, it, it's very different from AS and MR. Um, and I think the, these trials are hope, will hopefully help us answer some of those questions. You know, the, the, this obviously this is only early data looking at some limited safety and some effective endpoints in six months. What we can say is that the valve is, is good at eliminating TR for the most part. You know, 94% had mild or less. Um, the valve is something that is trainable. This is a multi-center trial global, more than 30 sites. And you saw the implant success rate was quite high. Um, but there, and you, you saw that in these patients, they, they felt better. And I think that's one of the important discussion points that we have and that we see that from Triluminate as well. What endpoint do we need to consider in this patient population? It, did they, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll get survival data later and we'll see if this valve improves survival or reduces hospitalizations. But we, we saw from Triluminate, maybe not. Maybe, or, but maybe this will be different than Triluminate because in Trilum, with repair, you, you don't necessarily eliminate. Will, will these patients do better because you eliminate TR? These are important questions that you know. This at these early results, we we don't have the answers to, but hopefully we'll we'll get those answers. But it's exciting because it's a it's another potential avenue for many of these patients. And as you said, you know, who should get repair? Who should get replacement? It's too early for that discussion. Um, but what we're seeing is you know in an elderly cohort with a lot of comorbidities that you can replace the valve and and more than 90% go home and not to a nursing home, not to rehab. And, and the vast majority of these patients had a significant improvement in quality of life metrics. And, and I think that's what we're looking for. And I think, you know, we always want a hard endpoint and that's ideal, but from a patient perspective, quality of life is what matters and that's what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, Becky, why, why are we so fixated on mortality? I mean, who, who decided that we had to have mortality in these trials across all trials? There's a lot of things that are FDA trial approved and that we do medically that improves quality of life. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I think it started with the with the partner trials and the, and the TAVR and the TAVR, uh, you know, other trials where, you know, the the and then the COAP trial, obviously, where the, the win was so tremendous on the mortality side and and heart failure hospitalization side that it was. It was just such a no-brainer, right? Um, but those are very different disease processes. This is much more of a heart failure trial, and uh, you know, than it is a, a valvular heart disease trial. I think, at least, um, which may be why, you know, we're seeing more of the KCCQ um, benefits that a heart failure trial might might see, right? Um, uh, you, you may not necessarily see the mortality benefit as much as as much as, uh, you know, heart failure, hospitalization, and the way the patient feels. Now, the beauty of, of, of what's been shown in, in the Triluminate trial is that with every grade reduction in tricuspid regurgitation, there seemed to be a stepwise improvement in the way the patients feel. But the, the, the what was presented at TCT, which was just phenomenal, were two different studies. One looking uh, by Suzanne Arnold um, at N Group, um, looking specifically at KCCQ to try and justify whether or not, you know, this was a, a real measure of anything. 
in the tricuspid regurgitation population. And both for the triluminate trial where they took, um, you know, in, in their uh, ex exploratory analysis where they took all the tier patients from the triluminate trial, that means the, um, you know, those patients that had uh, both the single arm, the roll-ins and the randomized, uh, they were able to actually show that uh, there, there may be a, a death and heart failure hospitalization benefit. And, and this is just so exciting, right? And then the TriQual study was mandated by the FDA um, and the, um, uh, our industry partners were required to give uh, the data to, um, again, Suzanne Arnold and her group in order to try and figure out whether KCCQ um, could predict outcomes. And indeed, uh, with every KCCQ, uh, with every grade change in TR, uh, you would see a three-point improvement in KCCQ. So, so definitely KCCQ can be used in the TR patients. Definitely, it seems to be uh, directly related to the amount of reduction, which is maybe, again, why we saw such a tremendous improvement in KCCQ in the TriSend study, right? The TriSend 2, you had 17 points. I mean, that's like phenomenal, right? Because we took the TR from torrential to zero, you know, so a five-grade reduction, um, and so the hope is that the exploratory analysis um, of the triluminate trial will hold for the tricent trial, which is that the more you reduce it, um, then the, the signal for mortality and heart failure hospitalizations may come. So let's say let's say you have, um, you know, something as 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 ambiguous, let's say, as KCCQ. Do you need to have a placebo, placebo group? I mean. It is diff it is challenging at best to assess this sometimes, and even the optical uh, uh, the OMT group um, did feel better, right? I mean, they they did have some improvement. Um, so, how do we figure this out, or is this enough? And then, so, like, uh, to all of you, is if you had to go back in five years, you know, before this in 2018, you're back in 2018, you're at the drawing board, you have to redo this trial and redesign this trial. What would your endpoints be? So, for, so first, I'm just going to uh, sort of take a stab at the placebo thing, because I, I think it's an important point. And absolutely, there's going to be some placebo effect, right? I mean, no, no one's going to discount that, right? And so, there. but the question is, is you, the, that's not the question. The question is, are these results explained by, the, uh, by a placebo effect, or can they be explained? And you can never say there's no placebo effect. That'd be wrong. But the magnitude of effect is important. The KCCQ of nearly 20 points. I think it is is important. Um, the 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 second thing is the sustained response, right? I mean, it's, it's six months, and, and you're getting still benefit, whereas some of the placebo effect would wear off. Um, I think is important. And then I think the fact that everything sort of goes in the right in the same direction, right? KCCQ, NYHA, and you could argue those are two of the same. One is patient reported, the other is physician reported. But you know, six minute walk. The, you know, and eventually we're going to need to look at other things. So if we start looking at the echo parameters, right, as we get more data, if we see that the echo parameters are going in the right direction, the, the RV is remodeling, the RA is remodeling, the IVC is getting smaller, and all of these sort of go in the same direction, then, then that argues against placebo. We have to wait for that. But, you know, but it, it, it's also not, I think, correct to say this should have been a placebo in a sham controlled study. Because especially when you're doing a device, it is going to be impossible to maintain blinding. 
in the era of electronic medical records, the, the patient gets the echo report before I do, right? Whereas the, on their portal, you have a you have a, the patient will get a ding, you have a new report, and they say the echo report says the evoke valve prosthesis is is working uh, appropriately, and there right away it goes your blinding. So when you're talking about a device, yeah, we could ideally sham control, but there's no way when you're implanting a device like this in the current era that you're going to maintain blinding, and that's just not realistic. So now we have to try and look at the data and say, how do we look at this in the in the context of the placebo effect. And I think that's how I look at it. You know, the magnitude, the duration, the fact that everything goes in the same direction suggests to me that it's not simply all placebo. Now, if you're going to ask me, are it five points of the KC placebo or 10? I can't answer that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think, I think that's why I brought up the, 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 the studies, you know, by Suzanne Arnold, right? This was a to try and figure out whether or not any of this is placebo. And it's hard to be placebo when every grade reduction in TR is associated with a point improvement in KCCQ. And I think it puts to rest somewhat the need for a sham control. So let's, let's go back to the second question. Let's say you had to redesign this and redo this trial. What would your, what would your endpoints be? Do you think you picked the right endpoints? Or if you had to create a new trial, what would your endpoints be for a pivotal trial? Well, I'll be honest, I think they they out of dumb luck that we they picked the right, the right, the right, the right endpoints because they met their primary, triluminate at least, met their primary, right? And I think that, you know, um uh, Trisend has also got a hierarchical functional and quality of life metric, right? As their endpoint uh, for for um, for efficacy, so I is is there a conflict where you meet that, but you don't meet some of the other endpoints here? Let's say. So, but I, Isaac, I think you're right. The endpoints are important, um, and uh, you know what are important to patients, what are important to physicians. I think you know mortality and heart failure hospitalization is an important endpoint for me as a physician in terms of healthcare resource utilization, right? So I think this is a good endpoint. Like, let, let's say evoke at one year. We want to see the data. If it reduces hospitalizations and there's it improves mortality, man, that would be great, right? From a healthcare system perspective, absolutely. So I think that's an important endpoint. We have to wait for that data. But I also think focusing solely on that is the wrong thing. And I think having this hierarchical endpoint right now at six months, looking at quality of life metrics is important. The one-year endpoint is a hierarchical endpoint, which we're going to wait for that data of the full 400 patient data set that includes some of the heart endpoints like mortality, hospitalizations, in addition to these. So, and I think that is important because those are all going to be relevant, but it's, you know, from a patient perspective, you can't discount the importance of this endpoint because this is probably what they care about most. You know, and so, Sheila, I don't think all of our, our listeners probably understand, um, and Becky, what you guys just referred to, because you have two different endpoints at different time points. Can you can you elaborate on that, one of you, just so people understand? Sure, I can, I can start. I mean, I guess, the, you know, the wow. trial was designed in the, you know, with, with this breakthrough designation as its framework. And, you know, the concept of breakthrough designation is it's, it's an FDA uh, designation. And the goal is to, with this designation, the goal is to provide patients, uh, you know, earlier access to therapies. 
um, you know, sort of therapies for diseases that are life-threatening or very debilitating. And so in the context of providing earlier access, the FDA will accept greater uncertainty. Um, and so that's part of the designation. And so using this designation, it was this two-part study design. And part of it is the first 150 is, you know, a limited safety endpoint uh, that we discussed, but also some limited effective endpoints at six months. Uh, and that's the TR grade reduction and the hierarchical composite of sort of functional outcomes. But the entire trial cohort uh, of 400 patients will be looked at at one year composite endpoint that includes mortality, that includes tricuspid valve surgery, that includes heart failure hospitalization, as well as those quality of life metrics that we discussed. Um, the, the reason for this two-part study design is that this, you know, we didn't think the trial would enroll this fast. You know, if the trial was enrolling slowly, you know, this first 150 might give us enough uh, data to get approval while the rest of the trial enrolls. But the reality is the trial enrolled so quickly, the full 400 is enrolled and we're awaiting follow-up that, you know, maybe this break, this two-part study design wasn't necessary, but that's that's the way it was designed. And that's why we only have limited endpoints and only the first 150 patients, even though the trial is fully enrolled. So, Mark, you, you see these patients on the floor and, um, you know, as well as in the lab uh, for the procedures. Tell me, how what is your impression of the magnitude of benefit from a clinical standpoint taking care of these people? What do you, you know, you know, less diuretics, you know, improved, uh, maybe an early effect? Do you see some early clinical benefits? I think um, with the marked reduction in TR, they, they feel significantly better the next day and are kind of ready to hop out of bed and get going. Um, and I think that, you know, going towards the endpoints, you know, the things is nobody wants to be in the hospital. The main question when they come in is how soon can I get out? And then the other thing from the family is, will this make, you know, mom or dad feel better? And they usually do. So I think it, you know, those two endpoints get hit really soon, uh, right after the procedure, and hopefully reduces re return to the hospital in the future. But um, yeah, these patients definitely uh, going to you know there may be some placebo component, but they definitely do feel uh, better right away. Well, I mean, really, really intelligent trial design, and. I, I give you guys a lot of credit for um, the structure of the trial because I think it is very smart. And I think you have as good of a shot as any to, you know, get a positive outcome from this, from this endpoint that you've set up. So um, I think it's, uh, we, we look forward to the one year data. When is the one year going to be presented? Is that PCT next year? Uh, I think we're not quite sure yet. Um, you know, as you know, both Triluminate and 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 uh, I mean, uh, the Triclip and uh, the Evoke Valve are, are going to be going to panel in early next year for FDA approval. The full uh, trial data set um, won't be available till later next year for the full 400 cohort of patients because it's one year follow up with a two month uh, window, so it's really 14 month follow up. So by the time we get that data clean, analyzed, it's going to be late, uh, later part of next year. Don't have the exact timeline, though, but it won't be early next year. All right. Well, maybe you can present it at a surgical meeting then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Happy to. Um, all right. Well, I think we are out of time. This is, uh, again, highly informative. Even I learned quite a bit um, from all of this. And so... 
I hope everyone enjoys it. And thank you for, for joining us today. And uh, we will uh, we will talk soon. That sounds great. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, thank everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.